Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today, we've got a great story of malicious compliance, sticking it to the vice president. Well, mostly their wife. But first, non-delinquent payment. My parents both passed away in their house, requiring hazmat cleanup. The company showed up the morning after I called, which was great, and did the cleanup that day, which was also great. When I made the appointment, the technician suggested that homeowner's insurance may cover the work. I filed the claim and provided the info to the technician at the time of service. When he left, he asked for the $500 deductible, which I offered to pay by card, but he requested I mail a check. The contract I signed was for a flat rate amount of under $10,000. I assumed the guy knows how to write insurance estimates and claims and that he was going to get the max amount from the insurance company, which was fine by me. He'd come out and cleaned up during a very stressful time and I'm all about people being paid well for service. Work was performed on a Friday. The following Tuesday, he called to ask where the check was, which I thought was odd. I'd mailed it on Monday, told him as much, and saw later in the week it was cashed. Fast forward two weeks and his secretary calls me to ask if I'd heard from the insurance company. I told her that they'd requested pictures, which I'd sent, and access to the property, which I'd given them, but that was it. She then told me that because the insurance was taking so long, she had no choice but to send me a two-week delinquent payment notice. I basically told her, fine, do what you have to do, I'll contact the insurance company. I contacted the insurance adjuster and he was slow to respond. A few days later, I got an email from the secretary, which CC'd the insurance guy, asking about our payment. In that chain, the adjuster finally responded and attached the claim and indicated payment had been issued. So, at this point, I'd received the delinquent notice and read the contract. The contract was for a flat rate for X amount of dollars. Flat rate meaning, no matter the work, this was the bill. As I had suspected, the line item on the insurance claim was about $3,000 over the flat rate fee. Cue malicious compliance. I wrote a check for the flat rate amount, mailed it with a delinquent notice and a request for a statement indicating the account was paid in full. As well, in the email chain with the adjuster, I stated that I'd received a delinquent notice from the service provider and had mailed a check. I also requested the insurance adjuster correct the line item to the flat rate amount and reimburse me rather than issuing payment to the service provider. I really had no goal or intention of achieving anything other than, you want my delinquent payment? Fine, here it is. Figure out how to navigate this now. The insurance guy is a twit and he never had a comment about the payment or the delinquent notice. The service provider, they had some thoughts. I got a call from the service provider, and he told me that, well, holy cow, the insurance company overpaid them. How about that? He said he got my check, but they'd been paid already from the insurance company, and they were going to mail my check back to me. This was really where I thought it was going to end. The service provider had requested and received payment from two entities, me and the insurance, for conflicting amounts, the lower of which was a signed contract. A bit of a pickle to be in, but a pickle that they had created. 
Being in this pickle, the provider told me that he was going to mail me a check for the overpayment portion from the insurance company. I hadn't been trying to get extra money, but I told him, great, send it on over. My insurance correspondence continued because I waited two months for payment from them. I mentioned the reimbursement from the service provider, but as expected, I got no response from the insurance company. So I deposited the check into the estate account, and it'll just end up being part of the disbursement for my parents' estate. The day the guy came out to clean up, I just expected him to get maximum payout from the insurance company, which was fine by me. But they hassled me for delinquent payment, which I maliciously complied to. Due to a lag in the insurance process, they ended up making almost 30% less. All I can say is it's awfully predatory for a service provider who does hazmat cleanup to be so immediate and rushing with trying to get that payment. I mean, just imagine how much of their clientele are these people that, in a lot of situations, might not have a lot of money and something horrible happened to them or their family. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, Arrogant Supervisor Messed With The Wrong Old Salt I was a rookie cop in the 90s in a big US city. I had an old salt veteran partner with over 20 years on the job, who was also a Vietnam veteran and gave no care. We got a new sergeant one day from another station, which was in a much more affluent area who thought he was God's gift to law enforcement. He got wind that when we were on the graveyard shift, we checked all our businesses for burglaries or damage at least once a shift. Our area had fewer businesses than usual, so it wasn't possible if it wasn't too busy, but we ran a quick check before coming in, even if it was 5am. He didn't believe us and made some snarky comments about that, saying he'd rather have us out running traffic enforcement. My partner told him, no, if a business gets broken into overnight, I want to at least be the one that finds it and not the owner. Which is true, but we also didn't really want to write a bunch of tickets in the early hours either. Our sergeant huffed about it and didn't say anything else. There was one business where we had to physically get out of our car to check to see if he got hit. They had a hidden side door that was a common target for burglars. One night, I found a note stuck to that door. District car returned this note to the station. Obviously, the sergeant was setting us up to see if we really checked all our businesses. I told my partner and he said, screw this guy and snatch the note from me. I told him we should go turn it over to the sergeant and he said, no, I'll handle it and I'll take the heat. We went back to the station but didn't see the sergeant. My partner told me to wait in the locker room. I was a rookie, so I obeyed. As the sergeant was getting off, we were down the street from the station, hidden, and my partner watching with binoculars. The sergeant strutted to his car, secure in the knowledge that he had nailed us. I asked my partner, what did you do? Turns out he had super glued that note, which was on a manila envelope half, to the windshield of the sergeant's personal vehicle. We watched as he went back to the station to try and find something to scrape it off, which took quite some time. I thought we'd get in trouble, but he never said anything to us ever again, and mostly left us alone after that. He also turned out to be a fairly decent supervisor after a while. I'm retired now, after a decade in the army and nearly 30 years in law enforcement, and the old war stories are all I have left, but this one fit this up. There is just something that is extra annoying. When you say that you do your job and you do your job well, and somebody clearly doesn't believe you and throws a test out there just to make sure, there's really no satisfaction to be had by 
pointing out, yes, I'm still doing my job. You really want to get back at a person for just not believing you and calling you out like that. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This next story is, bossy co-worker screws himself out of a promotion. My first job out of high school was a big deal for me. It was a simple data entry job that I took very seriously. I started moving up very quickly. With so many young, entry-level employees, turnaround was high, and I guess sticking around made me stand out. I was soaring in that company. Before I knew it, I was a supervisor over a team. In the department I was in, there was only one other supervisor. We worked very well together and agreed on almost everything. The two of us made a full training for our department, a department policy sheet, and conducted all direct employee contact. Our department was doing so well that our manager was recruited by another department for a much more lucrative role in the company. The new manager was the nicest man alive, but as an outside hire, he didn't know anything about how we ran things. At the same time he was getting acquainted with us, the other supervisor went on maternity leave. I was the only lead in the department left that really knew what they were doing. It sounds rough, but I blossomed under these circumstances. I helped find our new acting supervisor, whom I'll call Trevor. I went into all the meetings with my manager to take notes and help him understand what we were discussing. I hired all the new staff members, from talking to the recruiter, conducting the interviews, and making the call to offer the position. I was running the show, and I loved it. Our new manager wasn't really grasping things and told me he was thinking about leaving. I was sad to see him go. He then told me that he thought he would ask them to have me backfill his position. This would have been the opportunity of a lifetime. A week later, my manager told me that he talked to the director, but the position wasn't going to me. It was going to the acting supervisor, Trevor. Apparently, this guy had been schmoozing while I had been working. I hadn't even been paying attention to him. Trevor had become buddy-buddy with the director by spending all of his time in his office and going drinking with him at the driving range. I was heartbroken. I wasn't aiming for the job until my boss suggested it to me. I'd gotten my hopes up, only to be crushed. I tried to shake it off and get back to work. I oversaw department projects. I had one that required thousands of entries on an Excel sheet. I assigned our staff to the project and did my share. At the end of the day, I'd gotten the sheets back from everyone directly under me, but nobody on Trevor's team had emailed me theirs. I went to one of their desks and asked about the project. The person I asked shyly told me that Trevor told her not to do it. When I asked her why he would say that, she told me that he said I wasn't her boss. I was shocked. This is how we had done every project since we had opened the department. What was he thinking telling people not to do it? I could explain the small ways that Trevor constantly was trying to undermine me, 
or the almost jealous behavior he displayed toward me, but the story's long enough. I'll just say, while shocking, it wasn't out of character for him. I'd always been able to keep him from causing damage in the past, and this didn't need to be any different. Then I realized what a golden opportunity this was. I decided to maliciously comply. I just nodded and thanked her for her help. The next day, the director called the manager and supervisors into his office. He asked me why the project wasn't completed the day before. I shrugged and told him I'd sent it out to the team like I always do, and had even done a chunk of it myself. I looked at Trevor. The look he gave me? He was pale and looked at me as if I was about to sentence him to death. When Trevor eventually tried to explain that he told the staff under him not to do it, the director asked everyone but Trevor to leave. The project had been related to payroll, and Trevor had royally screwed over the payroll staff. Our director was livid. He was in there for over an hour. I heard the director raise his voice more than once, which was wild. The doors and office walls were glass. So when I passed the office a bit later, I saw Trevor with his head down while our director was shaking his head and moving his hands in a very animated manner. A week later, the other supervisor returned and Trevor was asked to return to his old position under her. I was offered the position of manager soon after, which I gladly accepted. Honestly, such a bittersweet role because they clearly didn't care about the merit of your work and were all in on the nepotism train until they irreparably screwed up. So like, yeah, OP got the job and it's a great opportunity, but if they so much as liked someone else more that didn't have a bad track record, you would have been screwed. That said, our final story of the day is, I pissed off the vice president's wife. In the early 90s, I was a salesman at an H.H. Gregg's electronics store in Indianapolis. It was the one right next to the corporate office, so people from corporate were in the store all the time. That day, the district manager was in the store. At the morning meeting, the store manager told us that absolutely, positively, no big ticket merchandise were to be taken out of the front door. It didn't matter who it was. All items had to be picked up at the warehouse door at the back of the store, under threat of immediate termination. Later that day, a VIP customer came in. It was Marilyn Quayle, wife of Dan Quayle, Vice President of the United States. She was there to buy a computer for her daughter in college. I helped her select a desktop system. After ringing up the sale, I gave her the pickup ticket and directed her to drive around back to the warehouse store. She looked at me in shock. I told her that it was company policy and there was nothing I could do. As soon as she left, the other salesmen ran over asking what was going on. They couldn't believe what I had done. About 15 minutes later, the store manager and district manager hunted me down. They were obviously upset. All the other salesmen on the floor stopped working and waited for the butt chewing to begin. They wanted to know why I hadn't taken it out to the car myself that treating her like that was terrible service. When they paused for an answer, I simply said I was doing exactly what you told us to do that very morning. I had treated her like any other customer because I didn't want to lose my job. As soon as I said that in front of the entire store, I knew my job was safe. They turned around and left without saying another word. See, when I read the title of the story, I pissed off the vice president's wife, I was thinking it was going to be like of a company. And then you get to the first sentence of the story, H.H. Gregg's Electronics, you're like, oh, the vice president of H.H. Gregg? 
That's definitely something. No, the Vice President of the United States. Overall though, when they say you can't let anybody go out the door with electronics big ticket items, I mean I don't know, the biggest superstar in the world could come through that door and are you supposed to all of a sudden just forget what they drilled into you at the beginning of the day? No. But with that said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.